Well, hey, I'm Sarah. Hi, I'm Megan. This is an amateur's take where Megan and I talk about subjects of which we don't have the authority to educate you on, but we still do it. Today, mm-hmm. Megan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what am I doing, Sarah? Why, why am I trying to put so much emphasis on it? I don't it? know. I have like all these dramatic pauses. Today, Megan is talking about sexism in the cannabis industry. Yes, yes, I am. So most information that I got, though, are like firsthand accounts. So I got stuff from an article from Forbes called Sexism is Alive and Well in the Cannabis Industry by uh, Iris uh, Dorbian. And then I also got a bunch of stuff from Vice article. And then some of it is just like personal things I've seen from like people's Instagram and stuff. I feel like you should talk about like what you do because you're like directly oh. related to it because that's it's kind of what makes it what it is, you know? Yeah. Okay. So I'm a psychedelic illustrator and live painter at music festivals. And I also do a lot of work uh, in and around the cannabis industry. And I also used to throw back when people could throw parties. I used to uh, host like co-throw um, like underground cannabis events here in Chicago. <laughs> So I've been, yes. like, in and around the industry for a while. I also smoke a lot of weed, and I have friends She does. That, I do. And I have friends that are, like, bud tenders or cannabis influencers or, like, trimmers or just work in, like, other graphic design parts of the industry or other festival painters and stuff. So, like, I know people that, like, in and around the industry, so I also have some of, like... I'll talk at the end about, like, things that I've seen or people that I know that have, like, gone through in the industry. But this is stuff that I've, like, like you know, from Forbes and uh, Vice and stuff like that. So this is, like, right. from, like, women. So, yeah, you'll see. Yeah. And I, I feel like my interest in it is because I know that you're so involved in it. And also because I, like, grew up in Denver and stuff. And I saw how the industry changed so much after it got legal even before it was legal just kind of the culture of everything and how there's so many like taboos even Mm -hmm. though it's like anyway but yes yeah no that's real okay so um a 2017 survey conducted by the marijuana business daily found that women hold only 27 percent of executive level roles in legal cannabis industry um this dropped from 36 percent in a 2015 survey that was conducted by the same group and the reasons that most people uh give for why this number is dropping is because of the rampant sexism in almost every aspect of the legal cannabis industry and i feel like i should explain that the cannabis industry is not just like the production and selling of purely cannabis like this incorporates cannabis like art cannabis um like events cannabis uh accessories like this is like everything to do with all aspects of cannabis is what is like the cannabis industry so you don't necessarily have to be growing or selling weed to be a part of this industry which I think is, like, a big thing that people... Like, a big misconception when people are like, oh, the cannabis industry. It's like, no, no, no. Like, you don't have to just sell weed to be part of that industry. Totally. And I feel like I know so many people in Denver who work in it and don't even smoke weed. They yeah. just... They work in it and they, like, are on, like, the business side of it or, like, the marketing side of it and they're not even involved yeah. in... They don't even partake in it individually. Exactly. And it's such an industry that so many people just work in it. Exactly. Um, So, um, quote, it's getting to a point where you feel like you can't work inside the industry, said Marissa McMurray. She's 39 and she's been working in the industry for the past 10 years. And she's currently the CEO of an Atlanta, Georgia and Bangkok, Thailand based Revolution Microelectronics. Um, They make indoor grow like indoor lights for growers. 
So um, she's, again, part of the industry, but she's not touching or doing anything with cannabis. Um, And she's saying, um, but, and she says that the reason she decided to not quit and give up in this industry is because she knows her behavior will continue. And the next woman who, who comes along in the industry trying to make a difference would receive the same exact treatment. So she couldn't let that happen. Um, so this really became exacerbated for her when she started to bring her 22-year-old daughter to conferences and cannabis events with her to start showing her, like, the ropes of the business that she wanted to pass down to her daughter. Um, and the biggest problem she saw was men coming up and making the most inappropriate comments to her daughter. Quote, she's a very bright and mathematically inclined woman, she said, but they treat her like a hooker. She doesn't look like that. They'll come up to her and ask her and say things like, hey, are you interested in a master slave relationship? This is at a corporate cannabis event. This is a workplace environment. And these feel comfortable enough to walk up to a 22 year old and say lines like that. That's nasty. That's just so gross. That is just exactly. That's just setting the stage for when like for what we're talking about so this article that i'm referencing was written in 2019 so this is like recent very recent yes um for some women who work in the industry sexism has become so toxic that sometimes they will bring a trusted male friend to accompany them to meetings and events rather than dealing exclusively with the men who have had histories of sexually harassing them in the past we call on men we trust to be there for us and uh, when we anticipate being um, undermined because of our gender, says Katie Stem, CEO of Portland, Oregon-based Peak Extract, which is a cannabis extraction company. Um, sometimes they'll give us. Sometimes they'll give um, fake male characters, like they'll pretend to be men in emails because they get faster responses from companies than if they sign it themselves, which is quote maddening, says Stem. Like the fact that they have to have almost like a bodyguard or a buffer to go to business meetings and that companies won't even respond to them is insane to me. But it's just showing how, like, this is such, like, a male-dominated industry and how the idea of having a woman there is nothing more than, like, oh, we can use her for advertising. Like, that is the main role of women in the cannabis Mm -hmm. industry, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But most women don't take, like, don't do anything in the business side because men don't want to hire them because they don't believe that they know what they're talking about. Like, I saw a quote from a girl who worked at a booth, and she said that the most, like, the one comment she gets the most is, so are you working this booth because you're hot or because you know what you're talking about? And she's always like, both. I know what I'm talking about, and I'm hot. Like, That's crazy. mm Mm-hmm. So, um, but another major problem in the cannabis industry um, is the way it chooses to advertise its products. So most of the information I'm going to talk about now is from another 2019 article from a woman named Haley Fox. Um, for Vice. So, most of these companies use hypersexualized and often demeaning photos of women to sell their products. One such advertisement made by a super trash company, which most people in the cannabis industry know about, is Ignite. This is world. This company, Ignite, is owned by the world's biggest douche nugget. His name is Dan Bil- uh, Dan Bilzerian. I don't think that, I don't know if that's how you spell his last say his last name, but I don't fucking care enough to like look up his pronunciation. This man is absolute trash. Um, if you know who this man is, you've probably seen his Instagram account. And if you haven't, let me just give you a fun little brief brief description. 
So he has 26 million Instagram followers, and this is a measure of how um, of the fame he's uh, he's um, earned toting a lavish bro centric lifestyle. Most of his posts show him surrounded by a half naked, super thin woman, and he's usually holding some like AK forty seven or other large gun. And there's always American flags, and there's always something like he's always tags his company in it. He looks like the world's richest ex bro got Instagram famous. That is who this man is. Oh, that sounds awful. I've never even heard of this guy, though. Look him up on Instagram. So it's just Dan, and then his last name is spelled B-I-L-Z-R-E-I-A-N. Bilzerian. You can just look up that, and he should come up. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my God. Wait, so he, he, owns, he owns this really, really famous cannabis company. He, yeah, he... Yeah, they're called Ignite. They've also, like, most recently, Nicki Minaj. No, no, it was Cardi B. Cardi B came under scrutiny because she did, like, a paid promotion with them. And everyone freaked out because, like, Ignite is known in the cannabis industry for being mad sexist. Like, there is a cannabis influencer named I'm Cannabis who is completely, like, she's problematic for other reasons. She's very, like, conservative and, like, horrible and is kind of telling people not to wear masks right now. But anyway, besides that... But besides that, she went to a cannabis event, and I believe that one of the Ignite or other, like, big, like, douchey-owned cannabis companies, like MedMen or something, I forgot the exact brand, but it was one of those type of companies, one of their representatives raped her in a back room, and when she brought it to the attention of the people at the cannabis event, the people that worked at the company that that man worked at, she was repeatedly met with bullying, telling that she was lying, and they almost deleted her Instagram page, which has, like, almost, like, I think she has, like, a hundred-something thousand Instagram followers. Like, she's has a really big following, and she almost lost all of it because... She expressed on her Instagram page that this happened to her and then tagged the company that it happened to and then they attacked her. So she deleted it. And like cannabis is like really problematic for lots of reasons. And we all know that if we know the cannabis industry. But like that is not an uncommon thing in the cannabis industry to hear is women being drugged or sexually harassed or raped in by men that represent these companies at these events. Like. For example, I know an underground uh, cannabis seller here in Chicago who has a cannabis company delivery service that they are trying that they really mainly try and sell exclusively to women, queers and like people of color. Mm -hmm. And all of their drivers are queer women. So it's always they're always trying to be inclusive. But they went to an event in California. And at this event, after they left, a woman was reportedly drugged by one of the men at one of the stands because he gave her a sample of what he said was like an edible that was laced with a roofie. This woman does not remember anything besides waking up in a back room half closed with three men around her that worked at that booth. This is a very common thing. And the reason that this is such a big deal is because the cannabis industry doesn't see women as anything other than like a prop they can put their weed next to to sell and to sell it. Like women are just viewed as like advertising opportunities more so than like actual human beings that can give anything that can give things to this industry and help boost it. You know, also women are massive consumers of cannabis. 46% of the cannabis consumers are women and are women in their mid to late 40s. Fun fact. (laughs) Yeah, so, like, and the fact, and, like, this is not only just, like, 
trash morally, but it's also completely alienating your brand from a major part of the market. Mm-hmm. And people need to understand that weed smokers are not just like classic bros or like, you know, like they're like the classic bro stoner that that's such a bigger part of it. That's a whole that's a whole tangent. But still, like, it's no, totally I feel like oh. the, I feel like that whole like the ways in which so many cannabis companies use women to advertise their product just feeds to the stigma of like the kind of people that smoke weed and it feeds into the negative perception of it altogether and mm-hmm. doesn't even focus it doesn't even highlight the benefits of it mm-hmm. like like medicinally mm-hmm. mentally anything i feel like it just it's not doing anybody any favors exactly you know? so um back to dan and ignite and what he, so he came under scrutiny in 2019 because everyone knows that he's adopted the same mo as his personal instagram to his brand ignite's instagram so if you go to ignite's instagram it's gonna be the same thing it's gonna be girls in thongs girls in bikinis girls in lingerie just holding their brand like different things that are branded to them and it will be nothing else um at their kickoff party in 2018 um they had a little soiree which included guests such as chris brown tyga and a security guard with an R-A, oh, an AR-15, according to Bro Bibles, right, right above it, which just sounds to me like a pedophile and abuser's Playboy Cannabis Club, lest we forget that Kylie was 16 when she started dating Tyga, and that, who was in his late 20s at the time, and we forget, and let's not forget Chris Brown being an abusive piece of shit. These are the men that they want to advertise and highlight their brands. Yeah, that sounds like a shitty party. Like, I would not... Exactly. ...want to participate in that. I'm like, is this the fucking Playboy Mansion in, like, 1972? What the fuck? Like, this is gross. <laughs> like, where's Hugh? Yeah, that's nasty. God, but this is not the only problematic thing with this company. Their advertising has become under a lot of scrutiny in the years. So Ignite's 2019 advertising campaign popped up across California in the form of massive outdoor advertisements featuring women in bikinis or lingerie accompanied by sexual puns and, of course, the occasional goat. Um, This was not met with universal praise, obviously. Honestly, shame on them, says Olivia Mannix, co-founder and CEO of Denver-based marketing firm Cannabrand. It is not only putting a damper on the cannabis industry, but it's putting a damper on the women's movement and women's rights. Mannix isn't alone in her sentiment. To many within the cannabis industry, a nice advertising approach is a symbol of the old guard, as well as a sexist, misogynistic vibe that the contemporary brands and industry leaders are working very, very hard to move past. Um, so, um, to outside businesses, Ignite's ads are just simply offensive, but to the cannabis industry, it's really, really, really holding them back and making these, like, and just really instilling these, like, stigmas and, like, making it so other countries, I mean, other countries, other states won't legalize, you know? Um, and in September in Modesto, California, parents pushed for the removal of an Ignite billboard that one called, quote, derogatory, which featured a close-up of two girls' butts wearing branded bikinis with the tagline, Best Buds. So the billboard was just two girls' asses in tight bikinis that said Ignite on them, and then across their butts it said Best Buds. There's also another one that I've known, which is like this girl in a bikini. Uh, no, she's in like a bra and panties or a bikini, and she's like next to a goat, and above it it says something like, uh, oh, I can't remember what it was. I saw it online, but it was some like really shitty sexual pun that I was like, God, if you're gonna make a sexual pun, at least make it fucking interesting or like you know witty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Sorry. It's like. 
And if you walk around cannabis events, like you go to a can- cannabis convention, like I've never personally gone, but I've seen lots of videos and friends that have gone to them, like, and friends, like I have friends that work in the hemp industry in California, I mean, in Colorado for a little bit. And he went to like a bunch of marijuana hemp things. Half of the booths just have like, it looks like a Comic-Con convention where girls are just like half dressed at booths trying to push like rosin presses at you. Like, I'm like, <laughs> it's fucking stupid. Another large part of the legal cannabis industry is located on Instagram with Instagram influencers. And these are usually thin, big boobed, scantily clad, most likely white women or very light skinned women who are paid to push cannabis products and accessories to their super large Instagram followings. So examples of some of these women are like, um, just off the top of my head, like Medicated Marley, Beautifully Blunt, um, Trippy Trees, Corinne McGrath, um, Hempress. Like, and this is nothing against these women that have built up this, like, very massive followings over the years. Like, that's nothing against it. It's just showing, like, it just really highlights how cannabis companies pick women that look like them to solely represent their companies. Exactly. But thankfully, we've also had influencers like Alicia Goku, who is a um, like a lesbian black woman. We have Mac Dizzle. We have Joya. We have Koala Puffs. We have Sunny Days and other women that create funny or like very aesthetic or beautiful cannabis content that is not hypersexualizing any part of themselves or another female, which is or woman, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but with two of those influencers who I follow really closely, which are Mac Dizzle and Joya, they've seen. For not just only like the sexism part, but the sizeism that is associated with um, the cannabis industry. So both these women started that started off at High Rise TV, which is a like on which is like a website, and they also have a uh, I believe a magazine, and they do like a bunch of cannabis events, and like they also do a bunch of like marketing and stuff for cannabis companies. They had a show on their on um, I think it was on their website and then also on YouTube called Two Girls, One Bong. And it was Mac and Joya testing out different bongs and glass pieces and other, like, you know, products that High Rise got sent to them. And then they review them and they're, like, hilarious. When they started this, they were both, like, maybe 120 pounds and were both anorexic and, and really stressful and bad parts of their lives. And over the years, they've both gained a little weight and they've both kind of, like, gotten more followings. And through this process, though, as they gain more followers, they lose sponsorships. They've talked openly about losing sponsorships or not getting new sponsorships because, quote, they don't fit the look of the brand because they're plus size or they're not like because Mac is definitely plus size. But Joy is maybe a mid-sized woman and she still is like they're like, oh, no. And high rise also uses their old images more than their current images. They'll use images from Mac Dizzle and like Joya from like. 10 not 10 like five four years ago when they were like anorexic and like very depressed and looked completely different instead of how they look now which is beautiful and awesome and healthy and confident in themselves that's really sad that's really really sad Mm -hmm. they talk about on their stories often like i swear once a month or like once every two months you'll go on mac dizzle's story and it'll be her talking about how another company has told her she doesn't fit the look and how you know come back in a couple years you know or like maybe in a few months but right now it's just not the look they're going for also if we talk about male cannabis influencers for a second men like dab matt or that one guy who's friends with medicated marley whose name i forgot it's like something 420 these are like over masculized hyper sex like hyper masculine like hyper douchey hyper bro men 
that are like being put on these pedestals of like, this is what a stoner is. This is what they look like. This is what they do. And these men are not the majority of the male stoners that I know. Like this is not the majority of the industry. And I feel like it's just perpetuating the idea that stoners are just like a massive like loser douchebags that just want to smoke weed and look at naked ladies. (laughs) which is incorrect. Most people that use cannabis are actually boomers in their mid-40s to early 50s that use it for medical, like, purposes, such... And also, most of them don't actually smoke it. It's usually through other forms. Fun facts. Yeah, I feel like in Denver, I know the majority of the people... I mean, I don't have that many friends that live there anymore, so most of the people that I know are, like, my parents' age or like around their age so in their like mid 50s 60s I know so many people in that age range in Denver who either work in the industry Mm -hmm. and kind of partake in it occasionally mostly through um like edibles or whatever like CBD or whatever and then otherwise just Mm -hmm. it's just really funny how I feel like I the, the majority of the people that I know who do it are not what is portrayed on it's like it's so it's so overdone on Instagram I feel like and even with the cannabis influencers mm-hmm. who just just the whole way in which it's marketed is really interesting and I feel like it's catering to like a really fake image of what it even is in the first place you know yeah and also everyone does it for different reasons exactly and everyone smokes like a different amount some people smoke like here and there some people like me or their daily it's users different like, for everybody it's, it's yeah. literally so different per person and you can't like i just feel like they, they cater to one group of people one type mm-hmm. of person with like one mindset that just doesn't even really exist like yeah actually in the world oh hundred percent and i mean maybe it does but it's all fake and it's all unfortunate yeah most of the time you see that it's like very like one-sided and it's like we're not actually gonna like hire more women but we'll pretend that we are it's ridiculous um but also female focused industries like beauty health and wellness are surprising with are like have a surging in popularity and yielding massive new market potential for both cannabis and cbd um cannabis is a part of this trend too so like just not like cannabis incorporated like health but just like cannabis itself is on the trend so um so ethics and social responsibility aside, it is also makes financial sense to appeal to cannabis's increasingly diverse consumer base, which is made up of a growing and aging female contingent. According to data gathered by the BDS um, analytics, analytics in 2017, 44% of cannabis consumers were female, and the average age of cannabis smokers across California, Washington, Oregon, and Colorado was 42. So... As someone, and as like as someone who sees a lot of cannabis branding, none of that is really focused towards that massive group of people that smoke weed. <laughs> All none of them. No, I mean I don't I don't even consume that much media in regards to I don't follow many cannabis Instagram pages or anything. But from what I've seen, it's none of it is even remotely catered to that. Oh my god, no, and not even like just Instagrams, like any cannabis event, any cannabis um like like the cannabis cup, for example, that is like a really big cannabis event that happens every year and a bunch of different cannabis brands come together and they get judged and then every year someone wins the cannabis cup and that it means that you have like the best weed from that year. But like even events like that are targeted mainly towards twenty something broy, hyper masculine men. Most also, you be like, so for example, 
I like I know a lot about weed because I smoke a lot about weed smoke a lot of weed so like over the time I've like gathered things and learned things and also I had an ex who sold weed so like I've been around it a lot and a very common thing that I get even just in like casual settings is like when I tell a man that I smoke they automatically tell me oh well, you don't smoke that much weed I bet I smoke more weed than you and then they tell me if they try and talk they like try and talk to me about it and then they'll most likely be wrong they'll try and get like super like in depth or very like critical and be like oh well, like the cannabinoid and like you know your turpentine like the terpenes and I'm like do you even know what you're talking about do you know what a terpene is like and it's just like when you try and correct them in polite ways you're always told oh, I don't think that's right or I mean do you even know what you're talking about and I'm like yes I do like I spend so much time in and around people like for example when I go to a bar and some guy sees me smoking on my pen he comes over and is like oh it strains it and I'm like oh yeah it's uh it's this it's like you know sativa dominant hybrid but I usually smoke indica dominant ones or just indica so sativa makes me anxious they just start talking over me about how well this is the effects of this and this is the effects of this so like you should smoke this instead of this and I'm like it's literally just what I said that I do because of those reasons but thank you for not listening <laughs> love it well, okay, this is funny because I feel like I've talked about this before and now that now this is all coming full circle to me where like when when people know about um, us like individually, but they might not know that we're like best mm-hmm. buds or whatever, they're kind of they're not like surprised, but I think that you know what I'm trying to say. So like I historically I maybe it's just me being from Colorado, I like used to hang out with a lot of people who smoke a lot of weed and then I kind of stopped because I just found it annoying but that's probably because I we were all younger back then and those people I think fed into the stereotypes of being a person who smokes weed kind of like what you were just talking Mm -hmm. about like the men who like always have to Mm -hmm. know more than you or like or just like the connotations with like um like when we were younger if you smoked weed maybe you would lack productivity in some regards or something like that just like kind of like the silly little things that like go into the stereotypes of being like a kid Mm -hmm. who smokes weed so I kind of strayed away from that for a while because I was just like this is annoying this isn't Mm -hmm. for me or whatever and then I feel like you you know you and I became friends you you always liked weed but I never I never thought of it I I never thought anything of it it was just something that you did and I also should note that I I do occasionally smoke weed it's not like my 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 go to but I do Sarah's more of on the back porch the nice beer type of person well I'm like I was on the back porch the nice really fat joint type of person right well it's rare that I drink and smoke at the same time because yeah. that usually doesn't go well for me but like I love it for sleeping and like being with like one close friend or something mm-hmm. it's like it's wonderful but um but I feel like I wouldn't I didn't usually gravitate towards people who smoke a lot of weed let alone it's like their career and something that they do like all day every day yeah not that you do it all day every day but like I do (laughs) I do um but it's just funny because like it's just one of your interests and you're not you don't like put it on people or you don't like talk about it all the time but I feel like in the past I always knew men especially who were always talking about it and had to make it such a thing they have to let you know that they smoke weed because they're so fucking cool I was just like shut the fuck up like I really don't fucking care you know literally and so and I feel like again that whole stigma that whole approach of cannabis makes people have their negative yeah. perceptions of it in the first place. Exactly. And so I, I just wish that more people treated it how you treat it and were just really relaxed and treated it like any other hobby or interest. Where Literally. if it's just like, if you're into it, you're into it. 
if you're not and you can talk about it but you're not gonna yeah it's just it's just simple you know i usually don't bring up weed unless someone like talks about weed around me then i'm like oh you like weed word like then we can talk about weed but i also won't just sit there and be like because there are people that like work in the industry that will only want to talk about weed and it's like that's sick i'm so happy you found your passion and that's marijuana and like that you're doing it and you're living that truth but like as someone who loves marijuana, I don't fucking want to just talk about weed for the entirety of my day. I have other interests and other hobbies and other things that I want to discuss besides just cannabis. Right. And also if there are, I don't know, I feel like cannabis is kind of unique in the way that like it was so stigmatized for so long and now it's made like this huge like comeback and like revolution. And there's so much more to that that we won't even talk about right now. But like, I think the best way to start like veering away from like the such sexist and like you know, like very like homophobic, usually transphobic parts of the industry is by getting more people that are LGBTQ and women in positions of power. Because having 27% of women and majority of those women are white women, by the way, too. Whole other topic. The only way to like get around those like to get around these pitfalls and like is to have someone in the room that will be able to be like, this is offensive. Like, if you're in a room full of white bro dudes that are, like, talking about how to advertise their bro dude, like, brand, they're only going to talk to other bro dudes. And having someone in the room that's, like, a woman or LGBTQ or preferably both or, like, a person of color, like, all having those people in the room will be like, no, this is sexist for these reasons. This is racist for these reasons. This is ableist for these reasons. This is transphobic or homophobic for these reasons, you know? And I feel like the only way we can start moving forward as an entire industry is to become more inclusive because we can't move forward and, like, it's just going to keep being run by, like, trashy, shitty white men until, like, you know, we're... Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate that even in regards to everything that's happening in the world right now, I, I think it's unfortunate that, because I agree that there has to be more people in the room, like around the table for that, for those conversations. But also like, I wish that, I wish that they didn't even have to be present for those people to understand that that's not right, you know, but at the same time. But I mean, that's not where we're at yet. You have to start with the people in the room to be able to get to that point, I think. Because, like, those guys come from colleges where they sat in a frat and sold weed to their other white frat guys in a probably majority white school in a probably majority white town where they didn't and didn't have the access or the ability to meet other people. Like Totally. And I think that, I mean, yeah, just more people, more women, more queer people, more mm -hmm. people of color should have the opportunities to, like, run these businesses. Just be in higher, be just higher be in leadership roles. Yeah. We need leadership people in leadership roles. Because even if you look at dispensaries, like, we can go into fucking dispensaries for a whole episode, to be honest. But if you go to a dispensary, every bud tender, there's usually everyone represented through a bud tender. And that is one of the lower levels of a dispensary there's like everyone that works in a dispensary like some dispensaries like may have like a grow house they work with which has like trimmers and like people that wash the weed like people that do all bag people that do production like people that grow like people like there's different parts of it but like majority of the people that are of color or like women are bud tenders growers or tr i mean trimmers or like work within a grow house they don't usually own the grow house they just do the more menial jobs those are also the most customer-facing jobs. So it gives cannabis the appearance of being inclusive. That's what I was going to say earlier you, you, when you were talking about Instagram and stuff. I was going to mention that 
it, all the times that I've been back home and like gone to dispensaries, I've met the coolest mm-hmm. people who are the bud tenders who work there. But then as I mm-hmm. meet more older people in Denver who run these companies, who own these businesses, it's all cis white men in their 40s mm-hmm. and 50s. And a lot of them have been really wonderful people. Like just the fact that the, the majority of the people who I've met who are in leadership positions are these cis white men. And also when we were on FaceTime, like two weeks ago and I was Googling like Mm -hmm. women owned and like black owned dispensaries in Denver. There was two total. Mm -hmm. And there's there's hundreds of dispensaries in Colorado. There's like, Mm -hmm. if you look it up every day, like more and more and more appear. It's like madness. Think about it. Like there's so much more risk involved as a person of color to be, to be involved in the cannabis industry than there is for a white person. And that's always going to be a thing until like we have federally legalized marijuana. Like, I'm just gonna put that out there. Like, it's gonna be mm-hmm. a nest. It's gonna be a shady market. It's, it will be, and like to a point. Like, I was talking to my friend who like sells weed, and she is a she's Latina, and she was talking about how like it's low key safer to just keep doing it under the like under the radar while it's legal until like everything gets sorted out. Because right now, people can be like ripped off or things cannot go through on a federal level. You can't even like keep your money in a bank if you are a dispensary owner. Like. There's just so many regulations and rules that make it difficult in the first place to just start a cannabis company, but makes right. it even harder for a woman or a person of color who already have sexism and racism and like all those things pushing against them. But also they have like all these other factors now that are like on top of that, which is just like making it again harder to get to that point. It's just the the system wasn't created to benefit those people. And it's until there's like no. systemic change within I mean, within everything, but like within this industry to like make room and like make way for those people, it's not going to change. Exactly. It's not. So my point really is just buy from the local weed man. Don't go to a dispensary and or buy weed from a woman. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because if we start giving more weed to women, more money, more weed will need to women and more women will be in weed. And also, if you do want to buy from a dispensary because you want to support legal cannabis, like that's up to you. But please do research and try and buy from a cannabis company or a dispensary that carries cannabis that's grown by women or cultivated by women or owned by women or the dispensary that is owned by a woman. Try and find women-owned businesses because money talks more than just posting about it on Instagram, especially in a capitalist society and especially in cannabis. Definitely. So yeah, sorry, that's kind of a bummer, everybody, but... No, I think it's important. I think that, I, I feel like I was I was telling people that we were talking about this today and everyone was like, well, that's so cool. Like I, because I feel like people know that it exists, but no one knows that much about it or talks about it. Mm-hmm. And also I feel like your experience is unique because you have a closer look into it because mm-hmm. of what you do for work and stuff. And also just kind of your... Um, following on social media, like you receive weird fucking messages that if you were if you were a male, oh my god, yeah, illustrator, you wouldn't receive those. Like you send me screenshots every day, and it, I'm like, what the fuck yeah. is that? So on my Instagram, I do a lot of stories like me like smoking because like sometimes glass companies will send me like you know glass to smoke. I have on my Instagram story or to draw it into things. So usually I'll like post pictures, like videos of me like dabbing out of like my new MJ Arsenal rig or like, you know, like a Sessions Good bong or something. And I'll get little responses or like fire emojis or like the tongue emoji or like one where some guy or like guys will respond to me and like with like videos of them smoking shirtless 
and be like, it's just, or they'll be like, please keep that to yourself. Yeah. No. One guy texted me and was like, texted me a bunch of my own stuff and was like, oh, like, uh, you like it's like sexy or like it's hot or something. And I was like, "Mm." like, yeah, I didn't make grammatical sense. So I was like, okay, sir, please. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My Instagram's my Instagram's it, a it really place is an sometimes. adventure. Your DMs are quite an adventure every day. My followers are actually very nice. The majority just like stoner girls. Totally. So like like most of my followers, I think eighty six percent of like my you followers have the are best women. Followers, and but most it's of them the people that like, pop into your DMs at weird hours where it's like Oh yeah, fucking say the fuck <laughs> out of my DMs. Like say the fuck <laughs> out of my DMs, yo. Like if I don't like also like this is gonna sound like mad annoying this is like totally on a rant but like i don't understand why people think they can send me extremely personal dms like i get messages from people that are so personal about their life and i'm like i don't fucking know you like i'm so sorry that you have no one else to tell this to but i'm not the one dude like i don't like i have my own shit i got my own stressors and i don't need you telling me about the time that your cat died like it's just weird i think a lot of people who develop a stronger following on instagram i think that they receive a lot of messages like that because maybe you make them feel comfortable or something. I, yeah. it, it will never make sense to me, but I, I, it happens see, to I, people, I can, to influencers. Because you're, you're, I really don't want to be called that influencer. I'm, I'm like, I'm really no, not. I'm just kidding. I only have like twenty thousand Instagram followers. That's like very small in terms of like. Only, only no, but 20, think about it. Like the people Instagram that are followers. like actually influencers have like Mac Dizzle, for example, has four hundred and four hundred thousand Instagram followers. Qualipuffs has seven hundred Instagram, hundred and thousand Instagram followers. It's all relative, and you. I think I think you have a pretty big following, and it's it's only growing. So I mean, yeah, we're only on the ups from here. But like, it could be bigger. <laughs> <laughs> it will. It, it will get bigger. I'm telling you. But yeah, sex is in this trash, and buy weed from women. That is that is my thesis. That's the moral of the story. And the moral. Yep. Also follow Mac Dizzle and Joya on Instagram. Also follow Alicia Goku. She's awesome. Follow Powerpuff uh, Hippie. She's another awesome black weed influencer. And also, also, Megan didn't even mention her own Instagram handle, which is Crystal Cosmos with a C. Art at the end. Art. Sorry. Um, I also follow uh, Wow Ash. She's another good one. Just Tiff. She's another good one. Um, like, just follow. Like, I follow women that make you laugh. That's what I think is the best for, like, any cannabis influencer is a woman that makes you laugh and makes you feel good about yourself. That's who you want to follow. But, yeah. And somebody who is, like, actively kind of doing it for them, who, who like, has creative control over how they are choosing to uh, market themselves. Yeah, women in weed are awesome, so let's support them. Buy weed from women or your local black (laughs) dealer. I feel like you're such a good example of that too. Like you're so like pro, you like use your platform for such important things. And I don't know. I'm, I'm a fan of you. <laughs> oh my God, stop it. So <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's, is that all we got today? Yeah. It's, I, I feel like we ranted a lot. So like that was ranty, but like, you know, it's a ranty subject. But I'm, I'm fairly certain that next week I'm talking about, um, the Thai cave rescue. Oh my god! I didn't know about this, and I felt fucking stupid when she told me. And I was like, "Where the fuck was I? Did I live under a rock?" Well, I was like, I couldn't believe that you like didn't even think, hear about it on the news or anything. I used to live right by Thailand too, so the fact that I don't even know, know. about this like blows my mind. I feel so dumb. I mean, many most people probably know about it, but Megan didn't know about it. I didn't know because it was it was in June of two thousand eighteen, and the soccer team and their coach went. Um, 
kind of like ventured into this cave and then they never came back or they didn't come back the next day and it took about a week and a half to find them, rescue them. It was a whole ordeal. And also, so I kind of read more about it last week and I feel like I learned so many details about it that I didn't even know from the news or anything. And there's just so many crazy details of this situation that make it a really insane rescue operation. So I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, But yeah, that's... I'm excited to learn about something that was a major world event that I totally missed. Yeah, two years later. <laughs> I know. Woohoo! But, um, yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. Goodbye, Bye. goodbye.